Well, isn't it great to see kids up here just learning about Jesus? And uh, I, my, yeah, give it up for them one more time. It's always great to see kids who are who want to learn more about God. And thank you to you parents who are believing in your kids' uh, journey and develop. My daughter did it last semester, and it was great to see her grow and build relationships and understand more about who Jesus is. I just want to make sure we welcome everybody. Those of you watching in Dripping Springs, everybody online, we're so glad you're here. If you're in the room, let them hear you, that you're here in the room. Yeah. And uh, if you're at home, we're glad that you're watching. Some of you are traveling. I know a lot of people travel for work and those kind of things. We're glad that you are with us. We are in, in this series addressing angels and demons. And, and uh, John led us last week. But I, I want you to know that before we dive into that, that the, uh, this last series we did before this one was about Scripture. It was about the Bible and what is it good for. Um, and is it real and is it relevant? And, and so we started this thing where you would send in your questions at questions at gatewaychurch.com. And the questions are coming in and we're starting to map out what that looks like for us because on November the 28th, we're going to take an entire weekend and we're going to answer some of these questions across all of our campuses. So no matter where you're watching from, where you live, online, around the city, we're going to answer some of these questions and they're already coming in. And, and it's fun to see people engage even with their doubts and their fears and their worries. Uh, we want you to send in those questions because they help us understand where we are as a community. So again, last week John covered, covered evil and the three sources of evil, the, the systems in which we live in and fallen angels and demons and, and human choices that we make choices at times that, that lead us towards evil. Uh, and today I get to try to tackle uh, the other subject, one that has over 4,000 books on Amazon alone. 4,000 books on this subject. And, and we're going to spend time talking about it because this, this subject, this subject matter of angels conjures up certain feelings for some people. Mostly feel-good feelings, especially uh, maybe you grew up in church and you heard about angels. Maybe you've had experiences with angels. i got to be really honest with you. Uh, when, when I knew this was my week to teach a while back, I, I actually had to pause. Uh, because I was like, I've never had an experience with an angel. Um, other than Angel Velasquez, who was in my eighth grade class. Other than that, and that wasn't a great experience. I'll talk more about that later. But, you know, it's like I haven't had the best or any experience with angels, and yet I understand that there is a world that we're, we're diving into right now. Because when I say angels, it, it triggers certain things. Those of you who are real big into pop culture, I say angels, and you're thinking, Charlie's Angels, if you're old enough to know that show. Some of you are triggered because you were looking for angel soft during the pandemic and you couldn't find any. Some might, might think of Cupid and these little, you know, chubby little cherubims who, who are like trying to help you find love. And we have these images and, and the, in Italian Renaissance, Raffaello Santi wrote, he, he, not wrote, he drew this painting that's very famous in the 16th century. And we all have a different vantage point in which we approach angels. I was going to do something really funny, and I thought, I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you about it. I was going to wear this little jacket. It had slits in it, and I was going to wear it. They sell these backpacks where you just push the button, and angel wings pop out. And I thought, I don't want to trigger too many people about this message, so I'm not going to do that. But we all have some thoughts around it. Some are positive. Some are negative. And if we're really honest, there's a lot of us watching in the room or online who are like, I could care less if there's angels or not. I haven't given five minutes to thinking about it. I really don't care. 
So instead of spending 30 minutes on a subject that could take you years to understand it, you could go to Bible college for three years and not fully dive into everything around the spirit world. What we're going to take our time together is we're going to answer, try to answer three questions. Number one, what is the biblical background or proof of angels? Number two, what is the purpose of an angel? And then number three, what does that have to do with me anyway? I don't even know if I believe in angels. And if I do, I mean, what does it really matter to me? So number one, what does the Bible say about angels? Uh, First off, you got to know there's over 300 references in Scripture to angels. 300 references. And not one of them is the reference trying to prove that there are angels. They're all very matter of fact. The angel of the Lord showed up. The angel showed up. All of them as though angels are just part, they're just part of the story. They're a representation of God. They, they are on call from, by God to be at work with us. So every reference is the angels is part of the story, weaving themselves in the story of God and humanity. None of them trying to prove them just They are, because if you've ever had an experience with an angel or you've met somebody who's had a supernatural experience, you cannot convince them otherwise. Because they feel, they felt it. It wasn't just in their mind, their body felt it. There were emotions attached to it. And I can't tell you that I've had an experience with an an actual angel, but I can tell you that I've had experiences that I cannot explain. And that's how the Bible just talks about angels. So they're just part of the story. Angels are mentioned in 59 of the 66 books of the Bible. 59 of the 66 books. Angels are created beings like we are. They're created, but they're not bound by time or space. Angels, they play a prominent role in the stories of human interaction. There, There are times that we see in the Old Testament and New Testament Really impactful stories, stories that are about to change history where angels are sent by God in part of the story. We read in Daniel chapter 10 where he's about to receive something from God and the angel is delivering it, but the angel is delayed. Why? Because the angel is trying, is at war, is in the heavenlies. This word heavenlies is the place between where we are on the earth and what we can see and feel and God, and there's this, place, there's this place we cannot see or feel, but we know it exists. And I know some of us are thinking, this is so archaic. Are you kidding me? Our ancestors who lived thousands of years ago believed in this stuff, and we're talking about it now? Yeah, you want to know why we're talking about it now? Because there's movies coming out almost every other week about the supernatural. There's an intrigue because the way God wired us, how we're wired inside in our soul understands there has to be more. And we've all at some point asked the question, there has to be more. And usually we're talking about our jobs. There has to be more than my job. Or there has to be more for my relationships. There has to be more for parenting. There has to be more. There has to be more. But that longing, that void, that more is this place that God created and you called your soul. And your soul cries out for things. And as it begins to cry out and you want more, there is more. I don't know if I've ever shared this story or haven't shared it much publicly, but when I came to Christ, 
I didn't see an angel, but it was a very supernatural experience. And you got to remember, I was 19 years old. I grew up in church. I did not believe in God. I did not, I, I believed in my parents. They were really good people. They lived out everything they preached. There were pillars in our community, but I didn't believe in God. It was just all hokey to me. And I grew up in a Pentecostal church, which is like people are all over the place. People are dancing. People are speaking in words I don't even understand. They're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, this is weird. And I was the one on drugs. They were weird. I'm a sophomore in college, and I'm just, I'm, I've already been to rehab several times. I, just, nothing's working. And I, I start feeling like there's got to be more, there's got to be more. 19 years old, and I'm in my room by myself. Nobody's there. And I think God knew what he was doing. I was by myself, and I'm sitting on my bed. And I have this thought, I'm going to go to church. I haven't been in church in years. I'm in college. I'm free from the tyranny of church. I'm free from the tyranny of my parents saying, you're going to go to hell. And I remember one day looking at mom saying, I know, I'm already living in it. And my mom began to cry. And I said, mom, listen, if you want an answer from me, you just have to know if there's a heaven and hell, I guess I'm going to hell. I didn't want to hear about it anymore. So I didn't go to church whenever I was free from that expectation. And I had this thought one day, I need to go to church. Why? I have no idea. And I'm sitting on my bed, and I'm about to get up to go to church. And I get up from my bed, and I fall to the ground. Well, this is weird. I'm 19 years old. I haven't had any major injuries. What's going on? And I remembered when I played basketball my junior year, I had a, an injury on the court, and it hurt my back a little bit. So I was like, oh, man. When I fell on the ground, I laid there for three hours could not move, and I was really scared. And I don't, I don't know how to explain it. And I, and I wish I could. I wish there was a science behind it, but I remember hearing this voice say, it's time. And I'm like, I don't think I'm on anything right now. But I knew in my soul what it meant. My brain didn't understand what that meant, but in my soul, I knew it meant God was chasing after me and wanted me and desired me. And I remember laying on the floor and I couldn't move and I just began to cry. And I laid there for another hour because I'm that hard-headed. And God was like, I just want your heart. And after an hour, another hour of laying there, I, I, I said, I need Jesus. I don't know why I said it. It didn't make sense in the trajectory of my life and where it was going. And I was able to get up. And I started going to church, and I was like, nobody's going to want me. I'm strung out. I, I'm doing all sorts of crazy things. Nobody's going to accept me. And some church took me in, the church site gateway. And I can't tell you about that experience and what that means and if that was an angel who put me down on the floor and held me. I wish I could tell you a story like that. I wish I could tell you there was like all these wings that popped out, and he pushed me to the floor and said, thus saith the Lord. That would have been really cool. Except, that's not how it happened. God has a way of getting a hold of us and showing up in what we think is our story. And that's what we read in scripture, is these angels show whom people think is their story and brings the story back to it. It's God's story, and we're a player in the story. 
Then you have the New Testament, Zechariah and Mary. The angel interrupts their story and tells them both separately that they're going to have children. One's going to be the father of John the Baptist and one's going to be the, the Mary, the mother of Jesus. And it's amazing for, 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 to see what happens because every time an angel interrupts, they, they usually say, and do not be afraid. And initially you think, of course, there's an angel and a bright light and wings or whatever they look like. And of course they're saying, don't be afraid of the light. But I think what they're really trying to say is don't be afraid because God's about to speak to you and ask something from you. And that's where we see angels begin to show up in Scripture. And a lot of times people will then ask me, what does Jesus say about a particular subject? So we're going to dive in really quick. What does Jesus say about angels? Uh, Matthew 22 verse 30 says this. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Again, just talking about angels, like they're just part of what we do. And then he says in Luke 15, 10, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you know you and I are the sinners? I know you may not like that language, but it's, it's, it is what it is. That experience in my room, I was the sinner. And when I repented and said, I need Jesus, and what I'm doing isn't working, there was rejoicing in heaven. And there was rejoicing even though I was experiencing pain. Emotional pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. There was rejoicing because my soul was connecting to God. Angels are not omniscient. They're, 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 they're spiritual beings, but they're not omniscient. They don't know everything because in Matthew 24, 36, here's what Jesus says. And about that day or hour, the day or hour is the day that Jesus will return to the earth, which is another subject for another day, okay? The day that Jesus will return, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. They don't know everything. They, they know what God Tells him to do. And then here we go. Jesus talks about when he's about to be arrested in Gethsemane. He's about to be taken to the cross. He can conjure up legions of angels, about 72,000 angels, if he wanted to, to deliver him. Matthew 26, 53. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? So here you have Jesus over and over. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Jesus himself is talking about angels as a very matter-of-fact thing, that they are an expression of heaven. They're an expression of who God is. Matthew 13, verse 41 and 49 says this, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and allow and allow things uh, to be evil. Verse 49, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. Angels know the difference between right and wrong. And so they try to guide us and help us and be proclaimers of goodness. And that leads us to number two. What is the purpose of an angel in the Bible? I mean, if there are angels... What is the purpose of an angel? I already said it. Number, the first thing is they're messengers. They declare and promote God's will on earth. They declare and promote God's will on earth. I mean, Christmas is around the corner and we'll, we'll he'll sing songs about angels proclaiming the coming of, of Jesus. 
They're messengers. They, they hear God's intent. They know God's intent. They know God's heart. And they proclaim all they know God's intent to be. I know for some of us, we're just having an out-of-body experience. We're like, I just came to church for the first time. Or I'm just trying to learn. And here we are talking about these things that are weird. And I know. We want to acknowledge that sometimes this can be weird, but yet it's not really that weird if we think about it. Because I said it already, there's something in us that desires to understand what is really taking place. The second thing is they guide and they minister to us. They care for us on earth. And I, I said this phrase a little earlier, and I want to say it again. Our repentance, our sin, the things that we go through that seem so terrible to us, when they guide us and bring us back to understanding who God is and who Jesus is, there's a joy that comes from the angels. They're like spiritual cheerleaders. They're cheering us on. Because they're created to walk with us, to be with us. And even though most of us have never seen one, most of us have never experienced an angel, we have to know that God loves you so much that he created an atmosphere, a world, a galaxy, where everything is pointed to you and I, knowing the goodness of who God is, that we would have people in our lives and angels in the spiritual realm to guide us to understand who God is. And not just spiritual cheerleaders who just like cheer you on and they love you and they have big wings and it's just all fluffy and nice. It's more than that. They also now know how to war in what's called the heavenlies. That place between what we see is a place that we cannot see. Because we're challenged in scripture that we don't fight these wars against flesh and blood. We, 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 we understand that we're fighting principalities, these things that we cannot see. There's a, there's a war going on. I mean, how many times in the last year and a half to two years have you asked yourself, what is going on here? It's as though the four non-blonde songs from the early 90s should be our theme song for the last two years. What's going on? If you know that song, it means you're in your 40s. It's okay. Let's celebrate that. What's going on? Why is it that we can't agree on racism? Why is it we can't agree on the police department? Why is it we can't agree about vaccines? Why is it we can't agree about how we spend our money? Why is it we can't agree on politics? Why is it we can't? Why, why, why? Because there's a division. There's a war going on beyond the physical. I hope you understand that. And it breaks my heart as a pastor to see families torn apart because of theories that are on the internet. It breaks my heart to see staff members have parents or brothers or sisters who won't talk to them because of a political post or because of this or because of that. And people then ask me, do you ever just get mad at people in your church? And the answer is never. <laughs> Rarely. Sometimes. But really, you know what? The truth is, when we sit down and talk about what's going on in culture and what's going on in our church and what's going on in our city, in our world, you know what I get most mad at? That we give our lives to a spiritual entity as trying to divide us. So I don't get mad at the person for the most part. 
I get mad. There's something going on that sometimes we cannot see, that we cannot understand. And that place that we cannot see or completely fully understand, that is where the angels of God go to war on our behalf. I was watching a really cool YouTube video with my son a few weeks ago. And you may have seen some of these videos. It's, it's these close encounters that people have to almost dying. And you can't explain how they didn't die. Have you ever seen these? Like there's an 18-wheeler going 40 miles an hour and all of a sudden like stops on a dime and doesn't hit the little kid in the street. You ever seen those videos? And the science doesn't actually line up. That truck should just run over the little five-year-old boy. The science doesn't line up why that, that airplane goes to crash and it's hitting a trajectory and all of a sudden goes straight down or it glides. The science doesn't add up and yet these people, and I can't tell you that these are videos where angels stepped in, but I can tell you that those people in those videos should not be alive because there's something happening that we cannot understand and yet I want you to know in that place we don't fully understand or we cannot fully see. We truly do believe scripture guides us to say that is where angels fight on our behalf. They war. When I came to Christ, after I shared that, that story a few years later, I met my running, one of my running partners early on and uh, we, got, we got tattoos. It said fight right here. And I still have a tattoo right here on my bicep and it says fight. And, and, and so we would do that because we would say, we have to fight for our walk with Jesus. We have to fight for our marriages. We have to fight for everything going on. We have to fight. We have to fight. But the reality is, it wasn't that it was up to us to fight. Because the reality is, in my own strength, in my own understanding, in my own wisdom, in my own knowing, in my own education, in my own, in my own, I am an addict. I've already proven what I can do on my own. And it got me to where it got me. So when we say fight, it's this level of, I can do everything I can do, and yet I still need God to war on my behalf because I fall short. And I didn't want to have to admit that. I didn't want to admit that I was falling short. I didn't want to admit that I didn't have the strength. I wanted to say, okay, I can do it now. Like I've, I'm going to come to know Jesus and I'm going to learn everything about God and now I can do it on my own. And I still fight that tendency. And then I'm reminded of a story when I was 11 years old. My dad was pastoring for like 20 years now. And my dad's a really good preacher really good preacher. He travels all over Latin America and he goes over to Europe and he's, he's an amazing preacher. My mom is too. And, and he tells me the story that he's about to preach at this really large church and he's getting kind of famous, you know, church famous. And my dad's not that kind of guy. My dad's the kind of guy who hangs out with people on the street. My dad's the kind of guy who hangs out with people that nobody wants to hang out with. My, my dad's the kind of guy who hangs out with people that are in the margins of society. But now he's finding himself getting popular in Christian circles. And he's in his hotel room the night before he's going to speak. Mind you, he's... He's 20 years given his life to Jesus, 20 years that he's not used heroin, 20 years that he's not in prison because he was in prison. And he's in this bed 20 years clean and he has this out-of-body experience. Again, something we can't fully explain. And he says he's laying in his bed and he wakes up and he wakes up and he feels. If you've never been an addict, there's, it, it, it's a, it, it triggers you. It's really hard to feel this. He woke up feeling like he needed a fix of heroin. 
and his veins were popping. And there was sweat. And he had this, he was like, I need heroin. I need heroin. Here he is 20 years clean, having this feeling like he needs heroin. And he has to decide, do I go on the street and try to figure out what's going on? He's, he, it's almost like he's trying to cold turkey quit heroin. And he says he hears this voice tell him, don't ever forget that without me, this is who you are. Without me, without the angels warn on your behalf, without God going before us in your own strength, in your own wisdom, in your own way, in your own smarts, in your own money, in your own whatever you take pride in, in that all by yourself, without the angels of the Lord, without God, without Jesus, this is who you are. Your poor kid in Puerto Rico hooked on heroin. No hope and no future. The angels war on our behalf because whether you know it or not, we all need it. We're not strong enough. They war on our behalf. And the last thing they do is they set a model of obedience to God's will. They set a model of obedience because angels have, there's nothing about them that is for them. Everything they do is on your behalf in obedience to who God is. Everything they do is to serve God's will and to serve people. I was thinking about this. I don't really understand, at least as a kid I didn't understand, why do people name their children angel? Because again, I knew Angel Velasquez in eighth grade, but every angel I knew growing up was horrible. Apparently, you've had the same experience. But a lady, I can't remember if it was in our church or our neighborhood, she named her son Angel. And yet, when she would get really mad, she would say, Hijo del Diablo, which means son of the devil. You named your kid Angel. And when you got mad, you called him son of the devil. I think she knew something was about to happen and named him Angel in faith. But there's something about this, this idea of angels that does cause us to want to be better, that angels are better than us. They are. They're, they're above us. They're one step of, above us. But the reason why we celebrate this idea of angels on our behalf is because they really do submit to the will of God and exist to serve the needs of others. What better example should we have? that we would be willing to obey the will of God to not think of ourselves first and to exist to serve others. Matthew 6, 10 says this, God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven or the heavens. Do you know you are called to bring God's will to the earth? That you and I are called to take God's heart and God's vision for humanity and to take it beyond this earthly realm and to make it happen here on earth? Do you know that you can be the answer to someone's prayer? Do you know that when your neighbor is in need or your neighbor needs food or your neighbor needs something that God has specifically placed you there and if we can stop thinking of ourselves first and make a difference in others, 
We're walking in the same example of the reasons why the angels exist. To obey and hear the will of God and to make a difference and serve us in humanity. That doesn't make you an angel. But it does allow us to understand there's a better, a greater standard in which we're supposed to live. The third question is this. What does that really have to do with me? I mean, thank you for all that. Appreciate it. But what does it have to do with me? So we wanted to do is, we, had, we told you about questions, questions at gatewaychurch.com. I want to kind of address sort of the first question because it's multiple questions. The first question that came in weeks ago was from a 13-year-old student here at North. Wakeboard Will. That's what he calls himself, Wakeboard Will. His first question was this, what should Christians believe about ghosts and magic and tarot cards and channeling, etc.? What are the spirits or ghosts that haunt people or that people say they see? There's about 20 questions in there, right? It's okay. Will was like, it's all the same to me. And that's how most of us feel. And here's what I want to address. Because of our interests, because it piques our interest to watch movies about the supernatural, to watch documentaries, to watch YouTube videos, to potentially see somebody who will read your palm or read tarot cards, it piques our interest. And I want you to know that is normal. It is normal for your interest to be piqued on these things. But I gotta let you know that we are challenged in scripture to not pursue the sideways energy of knowing who God is. It is sideways energy to go to a tarot card reader, to try to play games that have to do with spiritual warfare, to read, for somebody to go and read your palm when you have access and you live in the palm of God's hand. And there's many times we will seek out the things of the spirit world, but the reason we're not called to do that is because we have direct access to the one who created the very spirit world. The other thing is because there are people that can disguise themselves as light, who can disguise themselves as, as good people or do right things, and we have to be able to understand what that looks like. First John 4, 1 through 3 says this, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that has not acknowledged Jesus is not from God. They, they, they can't acknowledge it. So when you begin to seek after tarot cards and things that are sideways, palm readers or, or horoscopes, those kinds of things, your intent is not evil. Your intent is normal. But that intent to, 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 to discover and to look after the supernatural is intended to woo you to understanding who Jesus is. And he points us to God, the Father, the Creator. It is not our job or goal to summon an angel or any kind of spirit. It is not our job. It is not what we're called to do. We're to steer clear of sideways approaches to God when we have direct access. And it reminds me of this. As a kid, my dad, uh, because he was really busy, had an incredible assistant. Her name was Virginia Hidalgo. And I, here we are, I am 40 years later, I remember her name. She was an incredible assistant. My dad traveled all over the world. He had nonprofits that were working in Central and South America during the Civil Wars in the 80s. And so he was helping people that were in camps and those kind of things. So we were home quite a bit as he and my mom were trying to help in other parts of the world. She was so incredible. She made, my she made us feel like my parents were present with us 
every day, even though they were out of the country most of the time. She was an incredible assistant, and we loved her. She is my Facebook friend, and she, she likes everything I post. And she sends me incredible messages. Carlitos, I miss you. Carlitos, we love you. It's amazing. But can you imagine that because Virginia was the one I interacted with, if I gave all of my affection and all of my love to my dad's assistant when she was coming on behalf of my father. She did such a good job that it kept us connected during those years. And she did such a good job that we honor her and love her for the role that she played. But her intent was not for us to love her. Her intent was for us to love our parents. And that's what angels do. They come alongside for us to know God. Because when we know God and we understand the work of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross for us, that is all we need. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4.16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that may we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You have access to God the creator. You don't need to go with so-and-so down the street who has a little shop that can read your palm. You don't need to go online and try to figure out what your future looks like. I can tell you what your future looks like. Your future looks like hope and joy in Jesus Christ. And in that, he points you back to God the Father. And you will receive a love and acceptance and a future that you could never have. That so-and-so down the street with the crystal ball cannot bring. And it won't cost you $200 an hour. We have access to who God is. Hebrews 1.14 says this, God sends his angels to minister, to love, to empower, to encourage, to challenge us. You know, that's why John and I are called ministers. We're not here just to make you feel good. We're not here just to support you. We're going to also challenge and point you back to God the Father to minister to us as, as those who will inherit salvation. Do you know that? Do you know that God's intent and purposes for all of this, this whole thing, this whole atmosphere that's created, do you know it's all created so that you and I and your children and your friends, we can all have access to the creator of the universe? God did all of this because his infinite love for you and for me. And I know it can be difficult because there's situations and circumstances and things we don't understand, but I can tell you this, as a father and as a parent, and you, those of you who do have children or grandchildren, our job is to create an atmosphere in which our kids can grow, an atmosphere where we can have relationship. And we can't make our kids love us. Wouldn't that be nice? We can't make our kids obey. Wouldn't that be amazing? But we can control the atmosphere in which we support them, the atmosphere in which we see them, the atmosphere in which we chase them. And so every time my son, who is six, almost 6'3", six, 240 pounds, says, Dad, can I jump in the bed with you and Mom? I say yes. Because at some point he may not want to do that. All I can do is create an atmosphere. And do you know that's what God did for you and I? He creates an atmosphere, one that we can see and one that we cannot see. And yet it is all so that you and I can have access and enjoyment to who Jesus Christ, who brings us in right relationship with God the Father. What does angels have to do with all of that? They guide us. 
They steer us. They minister to us. They warn our behalf. They give us an example because we are called to be a part of the family of God. I have one more quote we're going to read. We're going to do one more thing. It's from Michael Heiser, a really smart guy who's written books on the supernatural. We have a class actually going online right now. Uh, about this, and so we've had dozens of people already join. If you're interested, go online and look for this class. He says this, God wants us in his family alongside his supernatural family, partnering with him as they do, just in our world. And if we place more attention on those items, If we place more attention on those items, we might just be more motivated to remember that this world isn't our real home. And if we approach that day, the church, you and I, would change. There is a supernatural world, and we're asked to engage with it and to understand it. We're also asked to be like the angels and take the example that they have and make a difference in our world. That's why we're always challenging you. Make a difference. Bless your neighbor. Operation Christmas Child, we're always asking you to do something because we have an example set before us. And this is the family of God. You are invited to it. So as we close out with this song, I don't want you to move. I don't want you to go anywhere. If you're at home, don't, don't go off quite yet. I want you to engage with us. Sing this song with us. Listen to the words of the song. And know that you are invited to do this very thing.